You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past. I'm your host, Matt Pappas, certified life coach specializing in overcoming anxiety and trauma recovery. And this podcast is all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. Each week, you'll hear from coaches, clinicians, and advocates who've overcome tremendous odds and are now using their journey to inspire you throughout yours. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Are you ready? Let's do this. Today, I'm honored to welcome in my special guest, Claire Capetta. Claire is a coach, author, and speaker specializing in areas such as helping you break free from the pain of abuse, overcoming guilt, gaining self-confidence, setting and maintaining healthy boundaries, and discovering the authentic you. She's also an author, and her books include A Broken Ring, A Journey from Abuse, Stalking Liberty, Are You Safe?, and her latest release, Rekindle Your Inner Sparkle, an alternative way to heal from trauma and abuse. You can find all of her books on Amazon and on her website, which is clairecapetta.co.uk. And I'll be sure and put all the information in the show notes and in the blog post so you guys can all check it out. I wanted to bring Claire on the podcast to cover some important topics that affect not only survivors of abuse, but really so many people in general, and that is the topic of self-esteem. We'll also be talking about her new online course, Rekindle Your Sparkle After Abuse, and her involvement in Clarified Lifeline. So there's lots of great stuff to talk about today. Welcome, Claire, to the show. Thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm so glad that you're able to take some time out of your day, especially with with the time difference there where you are in the UK and me here in the US. So thank you so much for taking some time out of what is your evening, I believe, right? It's kind of like six o'clock, so we're getting there. But, but you know, I don't really finish till 11 o'clock, 11.30 at night, so I'm still halfway through my day. I'm glad that you're able to get a little break in your day and spend some time with me and the listeners. So let's kind of jump right into it. And the first thing I want to talk about is self-esteem, something that I know affects so many people, something that I've struggled with, something in the past, uh, something that I, of course, work with clients on as well as you. And so let's kind of start out a little bit with gaining a little bit more of an awareness of how child abuse affects your self-esteem and really can help uh, contribute to low self-esteem. Yeah, we, I grew up and, uh, with an abusive household like many people do, but we don't understand this at the time because we just think it's normal, you know? So we go through life and then as we grow older, we wonder why we're making bad decisions, bad choices, and it all stems back to the abuse that we suffered earlier on. We just didn't always think that it was abuse. I know I didn't, because I'd always put it down to, well, if I was abused, then it must be sexual abuse. I look back now, and some of the things that happened between me and my father, it would be considered as in that realm. Now when I think uh, back to some of the memories that we had, but most of mine was from my mother. And I know a lot of people out there suffer because they grew up with mothers with narcissistic personality disorder or borderline. And you don't know what it is at the time. You just know that you can't, you just can't make this person happy no matter what you do. I remember running errands for my next door neighbor and uh, she was American. I, when I lived in 
here in the UK when I was growing up. And she would give me a little bits of money to go past the letters. She'd say, here, have some money for some candy. So I would save that money. That candy money I would save just so that I could buy my mother a plum or a gift or something on the Sunday. Just so that she might be nice for an afternoon without berating the rest of us. And it wasn't a case of just emotional abuse. She was violent as well. So I have all of those memories. So growing up, I was always told, why couldn't I be pretty like my friend? My friend had blonde hair. And me, I was, you know, uh, the student geeky kind of looking one with the wonky nose and the glasses and uh, the squishy eye that drifted off into the corner. And uh, she used to look at me and say, you're just all hair and glasses. Why can't, why are you so ugly? Why can't you be pretty? And I remember brushing my hair in a mirror and I would have been seven years old. And I was on vacation with my aunt and uncle for a weekend. And looking in the mirror going, why, just why can't I be pretty? Not just on the outside, but on the inside. Because she made me feel worthless. Both on the inside and the out. So it affects your self-esteem, and many people just don't realize it. They go through life trying to change things about themselves. You see people on um, Instagram and uh, social media in, in general, and they're always changing their looks, or they're very narcissistic in the sense that you can see who's struggling with it, with the amount of selfies that they post up. Once you understand where they're coming from, you kind of understand the personalities that are coming out. So I talk to people and I say the self-esteem is they're like a unicorn, you know. Perfection just does not exist for anybody. And we strive to get perfection thinking that we will be accepted because of our less of the same since I have to drag ourselves out of bed. No one's going to want to look at us. Then it comes into the whole topic of we're ugly, we're useless, nobody will want to know us. If I speak up in a group, they will consider me being stupid. So when we work with self-esteem, a lot of it is what is true and what is not true. What's a belief and what is a fact? When you look in the mirror, and you see yourself in the bathroom getting ready in the morning, and you think, ugly, having an ugly day. Is it true? Or is it just your own core belief that you've been brought up with? So this is how we have to like turn it around upside down, put it on its head, and I actually stop and think about all the negative self-talk that you give yourself. Because we lie to ourselves better than anybody can lie to us out there. We can put ourselves down better than anybody who can put us down out there. So we have to step back when we're dealing with self-esteem issues and say, what is true? What is just a core belief that we have? And is that core belief based on facts? or a fiction that we've created in our head, 
or based on something that somebody drilled into us when we were listening. So that's why we work on self. I work out self-esteem with people. Wow, that's really uh, incredible. And you mentioned so many amazing things there, just just kind of breaking it down. And one of the things that stuck out to me was, you're right, you know, when you're growing up and you're around a parent or a, a caregiver who is constantly putting you down, asking you why you don't look a certain way or why you don't dress a certain way or why your hair doesn't look a certain way or, you know, any of these types of things. And as we're growing up, we don't always realize necessarily the, the long-term effects you know, all we're trying to do is gain approval and trying to look better so we can, you know, gain the praise of a parent or somebody who's supposed to be caring about us. And as we grow up, those, you know, those, those feelings and those thoughts and those things that they had said to us just keep, you know, kind of um, perpetuating more and more in our life. And then, as you said, we're, we're looking in the mirror and, you know, we're thinking, oh man, you know, you know, I don't look good today or my hair doesn't look great or, you know, why do I look like this? And, and then we have to challenge it and understand where is it actually coming from? Is this really fact or is it something that's coming as a direct result of some type of abuse as when we were younger or neglect? I mean, just so many different areas. So I love what you're saying here because I think it's important to understand that this type of thing affects us long after the abuser is out of our lives. And, you know, it takes a lot of work to try and retrain our minds and um, kind of undo the damage that was done at the time when we were younger. So I love what you're saying there. I think it's such an important thing to talk about. And then, and then of course, I have to strike that that um, incredible balance because I remember when I was eight, eight years old <laughs> and I was a little girl and I was in primary school and I had a boyfriend. Yeah. The kind that you pass sweets to or candy to when you're going into the corridor or he would run over and give me a little hug and a kiss and he'd say, yeah, I love you, Claire, and run off. That was the only time we ever really saw each other. And it was sometimes hang out in the playground. We were seven, eight. And then his mother used to take us to the municipal pool on a Friday evening and I used to really look forward to it. And in England and here in the UK, we'd wear school uniforms but I have to get home on a Friday, get changed out of his school uniform. And I had a favorite skirt, kneeling, a blouse, and a little waistcoat, because it was the 70s. You know, we all had those little crushes, waistcoats and stuff. And I remember getting changed and coming downstairs and standing in the hallway. And I got ready to go swimming, Friday night swimming with Darren and his mom. My mother looked around at me. And she looked me up and down and said, such a whore. And I was seven. So that became her favorite word for me if I put makeup on or I got dressed up or I wanted to go out and I wanted to look nice. So then you got that fine balance, you know, and someone berates you so much that you're ugly and this or the other. And then you try and make that effort. And then you called a whore. So that whole self-esteem is kind of like one of those um, rides in the playground, you know, see saw one minute you're up, next minute you're down, and there's no balancing act to it. We can find it. But it just takes some work, but you need to do it because you can't, you can't go through life either thinking that you're completely ugly or, you know, put on your favorite suit the guy or you know your favorite outfit as a woman and then you think well now I just want like a whole you know so that, that you have to balance out 
and that you have to, you do, anybody who's gone through that needs to be able to work on it to create some inner happiness. Because if you don't work on the self-esteem, you'll never have any kind of inner happiness. You know, striking a balance and, you know, understanding why you're feeling this way. And then, you know, realizing that, you know, this whole self-esteem thing can be like a roller coaster where there's real, real highs and then there's great big lows and, you know, kind of going through life going up and down, spiking real high and spiking real low. I mean, it's emotionally exhausting to try and, you know, re- reach reach to some level of perfection that you'll never gain, but then sinking all the way down in the depths of realizing that you're never good enough or you're never going to look right or you're never going to get approval of, you know, this person or that person. So striking a balance and understanding that, you know, you're, you're, you're fine and you're just okay and you're great the way that you are and that there's no expectation that you have to live up to. I think, I think it's a great point is really finding that balance and an understanding of, you know, again, what was ingrained in your head versus what is fact. So let, let's kind of move forward a little bit and talk about this in the way of, of how we choose partners. And maybe it's a spouse or, you know, you know, somebody that we date in, in our general relationships and how self-esteem can affect those areas. Mm, absolutely. Because I dated somebody when I was in my teens and uh, I thought he was wonderful. And I laughed. <laughs> Having gone through the healing journey, I laugh now looking back because, um, you know, there's that old saying, you can't see the wood from the trees. Well, I remember him and his mother sitting down with me and saying, your mother's not quite well. And your mother's, uh, your mother thinks your mother says it's not quite right or it's not how it happened or they used to try and, without sitting me down and saying, you know, look, we understand you've got an issues and you've got a problem because of this person in your life or these people in your life. Because when you have a narcissist in the family, you always have or you usually have an enabler. And the enabler in, in my family was my father, which sat there and did not do whatever she wanted be it violence or abuse. So there was a there was a flag there. But I was so protective. Oh, no, no, no. You come in at that You know. And in the end our relationship broke up and he said, you know, we have to break up because the thought of your mother being my mother in law or say we get married because we had talked about getting but if I hadn't Thoughts of your mother being my mother-in-law for the rest of my entire life. I just can't do it. And I was thinking that that's just a, a weak, a really weak excuse. And we broke we broke up mutually because of the issues that we just talk about. But then everybody I gravitated to was a, a male version of my mother: narcissistic, cruel, violent. Um, takes all the boxes of abuse that you that you can think of. Um, completely right there, and would also agree with my mother. My mother would say some really cool things, and then they'd come back. My first husband would come back and reiterate, "Your mother's right. No, you do need to put in a straitjacket, or you are a little crazy, or your mother says this and." It's true and he used to back it all up and then 
violence. And so leaving him, I was thinking, after I found the courage to leave him, which was through finding a cute fit, a fitness center, and going in to the gym and getting fit, gave me strength to leave. So I left with my two children, and I ended up living on my own for a little while, and then I dated somebody else for a couple of years who moved in with us, which did not turn out so great, good, because I was working part-time. Sometimes you have to when you've got little children. I didn't have childcare, and he was out of work all day but didn't bring any money in. So in the end, I'm supporting the four of us financially, and I'm struggling. And in the end, I said, look, you have to leave because I can't, I, I, I like you, but I can't afford you. I love you, but I can't afford you. So that turned completely on its head once we'd thrown all these things out, finally, out the house. You then became a whole-blown stalk. So the phone rang, and it was her. And this was back in 96, 97. So the phone would ring and it would be him. Or you drive two cars back and it was him. And then one time he act, he came to the, the, the door and I thought it was my friend coming to see me. And he pushed his way in and he and he punched me on the side of the head and knocked me out. When I came around, I was tied to a kitchen chair. And I was tied to a kitchen chair on and off for a week with a knife. Um, and he would repeat over and over again, only that one separated. So moving on from that, it was a really difficult time when I had to move to the south of England to keep myself safe, to keep the children safe. And um, I told my mother that we'd have to leave and that we'd been given an opportunity on the south coast. And she said, well, if you leave, I'll tell grandparents right on you that you have to stay so that I can see my children. And I told her, if I stay, the police have told me, he will kill us, the three of us. We will end up dead. And she said, well, at least your graves will be nearby, you know. You can cover your graves. So we kind of went, moved to the south coast, got away, couldn't tell her, couldn't tell anybody. It had to move in the middle of the night. Uh, we moved and had a company on the, the south coast of England before moving over to New York for 13 years. But it did, the relationships that I had were all male versions of my my mother. And it was only going to help somebody out who was in a domestic violence situation to help them, that it suddenly, the past all clicked. And when they asked me for my memories of the past, I didn't have them. They'd gone. So that's why I started to write books, do the work, and go on the healing journey to pull everything back out. And that's where I am today. But we've come back home. But home is a strange word. We're back in the UK for reasons. We've had to come back here. But we miss New York. So, so when we were in New York, we missed the UK. And now that we're in the UK, we miss New York. So kind of an oxymoron, but we're now, I'm now happily married to the guy that I ended up helping save from a domestic violence marriage that he was in, so we understand each other perfectly.
Wow. What an, what an incredible story that you just shared. And it's just so like, I'm, I'm so um, glad that you're able to share it so bravely and, and give hope to those who are in, um, you know, similar situations. I mean, as we know, things that you endured are unfortunately all too common. And, you know, I'm glad that, that, that yours was able to end, um, you know, to have kind of a bit of a happy ending, so to speak, where, you know, you found somebody safe and somebody that you worked with and somebody now that, that is by your side. And I think it's just incredible the way that you're sharing, you know, this, this story of your life and your information um, in your books and something that you mentioned that, it brought to my mind uh, breaking the cycle of abuse. And that's really kind of what it is. You mentioned that everybody that you wanted to be involved with, you know, you gravitated towards people who were like your mother and that, that, that is so common. And that's kind of where that, that, that abuse cycle just continues and continues for generation and generation and years and years is because it's all we know and it's familiar. So it's what, you know, has been ingrained in our head and it's what we gravitate to. And until we can work through those memories and realize that we're worth, fighting for and worth healing and worth not being miserable and being stuck in, in, in a relationship that, that is harmful, both emotionally and or physically. I think it's just, it's so important to be able to try and work to get to that point to where you, you can find a healthy relationship and you can seek out people who are safe and trustworthy and people who are not abusive and people who aren't going to, to put you down. And I know it takes a lot of work and a lot of time, a lot of effort but man, the outcome is so worth it when you can finally break that cycle and break those chains and seek out healthy people and safe relationships and, and, and boundaries and, you know, putting yourself in healthy situations and understanding that you're, you know, that, that you are worth doing right by yourself and not continuing in, in, in the same path that, that, you know, you, you grew up in that has just been so self-defeating in every way possible. So I'm so honored to hear, you know, some of that story. And I'm so glad that we're sharing and talking about this because it's just such an important topic to share. And I hope that, you know, someone who's listening who may be, you know, in a similar situation, maybe they can take something from this, take some hope. How you doing, my friend? This is Matt, your host right here on Beyond Your Past, a podcast all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. If you enjoy these shows, please consider subscribing and leaving a review. I would so appreciate it. Feel free also to contact me anytime. You can do so via my website, beyondyourpast.com. I'd love to hear from you. And now let's get back to the show. Yeah, because when, you, when, you, when you're around people and you realize that you're actually with some people who are uh, normal, not the right word to use because no one's really normal, are they? But where do you find that somebody's not abused you can ask them, like if it comes up to Christmas and you had your little quirky things going on because of your parents or holidays or, you know, you have things kicking off from childhood. You say to them, well, that's normal, isn't it? They turn around and say, no, that's not normal at all. And you go, really? Huh. Well, who knew? Right? Because I used to go camping with my parents at seven years old. We'd be given a bottle of, of pale ale. That was our treat. If you're good at night, you get a bottle of pale ale. And if you're good at Christmas, you get, um, they'll wake you up with a sweet and sour takeaway chicken or they'll give you a martini. I mean, I remember my mother waking me up when I was seven. Here's a martini and sweet sour chicken. It's Christmas Eve. So you kind of think it's normal, but it's not. So it's nice to be around people who go, no, no, that's not normal. 
it's amazing when when we realize that the things that we thought were normal and everyday and that you know when you get around a safe person and a safe relationship and you tell them these things and they're like you know that's not normal people don't do that you know healthy people don't do that and you're like wait a minute really and then you start to kind of put things together and start to realize that all the stuff that we experienced that was just seemed to be everyday routine and just what 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 was expected all of a sudden we realize is not right and not healthy and that you know there is an alternative and there are better ways to treat somebody and and to act and, and to show affection and kindness and it's it's incredible when you really understand and can get around healthy people just how difficult and oppressive and and just you know downright abusive so many relationships that we grew up in were so when you're nine years old and somebody hands you a, a green olive and you go oh so where's the martini right <laughs> you know <laughs> oh my goodness i know right i mean i mean it it just had to be such a such a a light bulb moment for you and you know just kind of such a, you know also like a surprising and confusing time too i'm like wait a minute you know you know, like I'm not supposed to give my seven-year-old martinis and chicken for breakfast or, you know, for dinner or something like, really? I mean, just it blows your mind, but really it's just when it's all, you know, it's fascinating. And in, in, in such a sad way, unfortunately that, you know, you and so many people have experienced this, but I'm so glad that you're able to share about this information here on the podcast and in your book and, you know, and in your, in your speaking engagements and with your clients. So I just, you're helping so many people. That is for sure. I want to, I want to talk about too yet here on the podcast your your new course uh your new uh course online called Rekindle Your Sparkle After Abuse. So maybe you can kind of go into tell us a little bit about, you know, why you put this course together, some of the modules and what people can expect as they go through this course. Well, I put it together because, you know, I've been I've done courses in the past on psychology and mental health and everything else. But at the time, I just couldn't find anything online. There's there are courses out there, um, but they're very a specific, which is wonderful if you fall within that niche, right? But what if like there's courses for if you're thinking of leaving your narcissistic partner, or um, what? But what if? Your partner's not narcissistic, or maybe they're borderline. Maybe they have other issues. Maybe you just, maybe it's not a, maybe it's not a case like for me. It wasn't a case of I wanted to leave somebody, but I did need to find out who I was. And because sometimes we live on our own, or we can live with other people who are not abusive, but we have those triggers that are happening around us which are not so much, you know, they're not, they're not fun anymore. They never were really, but it's a case of they were habits that you'd grown up with and you didn't realize that the habit, negative self-talk, we're talking again about self-esteem. What about when you have flashbacks? What about when you startle? We talked about PTSD and talked to many therapists and some therapists have said that startle doesn't always mean PTSD. And it doesn't always mean complex PTSD. Sometimes it can just simply be the trauma. So 
how do we get over those? How do we um, find that person that we always wanted to find? Say, like myself, we've been abused since we were children. Had we not been abused, what kind of person would we have come out like? I mean, we'd still be us and we'd still be ourselves and all our little foibles attached to it, but we've been given a little extra foibles, a little uh, extra quirks to deal with in life that a lot of other people don't have to. So when somebody comes up to us suddenly, we do startle. But is it PTSD always? No, sometimes it's just trauma. So what would it be like to live without the issue of self-esteem? Spending ages trying to make ourselves look what we think is halfway presentable before we leave the house. Or what if we didn't always startle? Or what if we could drag ourselves out of bed and actually be happy? We don't have to be like these social media, Instagram pictures of being completely happy 100% of the time. It's never going to happen. But we can find a place within ourselves that we didn't even knew ever existed. So we say, rekindle your inner sparkle. Was it ever kindled in the first place? Or were you just abused completely? And so much that the sparkle kind of flickered a little every now and then. Kind of sort of got a little glimpse as to who you were. Or you could have been. Now we're saying, if you go through the course, you'll be able to help all the startles. And half of this, what I've been suffering with, which was self-esteem, the startle effect, mind crash. You know, when you get triggered on a subject and it's really disturbing or it's distressing, and then your mind crashes. Or you have a panic attack, and they feel like heart attacks. So people who did miss panic attacks have just been, well, you know, these things are really painful. They, you could cry. It could take you days to get over just one. If you're having several of them all, like one after the other, they're just like having that. It feels like you're having a heart attack. It's so distressing. So I have put together a course so that people can help themselves. And the other thing is that I have found in America, it's really hard to sometimes get to a therapist. You're either out of area to be able to get to a therapist or you can't afford a therapist. You can't go to, I know they have schools set up with art therapy and everything else to help people with PTSD and stress but you can't always get there. The state doesn't always provide them. And I know here in the UK, people are complaining about how long it takes you to get on the registry and in Europe, actually see a therapist. So here in, we have ENHS here in the UK. So really, you're just paying the little amount that you need to pay for it into the NHS, into the national insurance, in order to gain the services that you can get to to see the therapist but there's a backlog there's a waiting list you know so this is why I put together the course and I looked at some of the courses and some people are charging a lot of money 
for these classes and I just thought it was really sad when people are struggling and they're getting charged like four and a half thousand, five hundred dollars to get on a course to learn how to be able to reset their mind. So this is why I've done the course. So if you go onto the course and you see it and you, anything feels familiar to you, then this course is ideal for you. It will walk you through. And uh, we have like eight modules there for you to work through at your own time. Wow, that just sounds like an incredible resource. And I'll, I'll be sure and link to it and put it in the show notes and in the blog post. And you're right. Um, so many, you know, no matter where you are, um, and, you know, of course, speaking here in the States, um, you're right. So often people aren't able to get to see a professional because, you know, either they don't have insurance or they can't afford the self-pay or there's not available where they are, or they've tried therapists, but they can't find one that, you know, you know, they, they kind of click with and want to understand. So there's so many variables when trying to, to, to find help from a therapist or, or a, um, uh, a trauma-informed coach or whatever the case may be. So I'm glad that, that, you know, you have this course available and that it's so important and that, you know, it's going to be something that's going to be affordable because so many, you know, just really need to understand the importance of the things that you mentioned. Of course, you know, it's all about, um, you know, how we deal with everyday situations and triggers and how we look at ourselves and how we handle situations and how, you know, you know, what, what, what causes us to react a certain way and go into a panic attack or have hang, high, excuse me, a panic attack or have high anxiety or uh, why our self-esteem is so low. So many things that this course I'm sure is going to be amazing with. I'm glad that you were able to share that with us. And again, as I said, I'll link that in the show notes. Um, one last thing that I wanted to cover here before we let you go, and that is tell us a little bit about the clarified lifeline that you're involved with. So I was thinking two years ago, back because I was on this journey of healing. So here I was tied to a kitchen chair, which is why I've kind of brought it up a little earlier. I'm tied to a kitchen chair, and I had two children in the house, and I had to look normal while they were up and walking around. And then as soon as I went to bed, I was tied to the kitchen chair again. I was allowed to cook, and he was standing there next to me all the time. I was allowed to cook and wash dishes and do all the happy, you know, make you look normal until they gone to bed. And I, and I was thinking, what is? Because this was just a flip cell phones were coming out, 96, 97, okay. So, what is? you had a device that you could press a button on and it would call for help, right? That would be really cool. It wouldn't have lasted a whole week. It would have just lasted an hour, maybe. Max. That it just pressed a button somewhere on something. It would have been really good. So the, the idea kind of formulated and uh, took a little hold. It kind of snowballed a little bit. Wouldn't this be great for domestic violence victims who are, who are either in a safe house, in a retreat, have left, or are about to leave because we know that's the most dangerous time when you're actually leaving. Or when you're in the house and you need, like I was, you need to be able to call for help. So this has kind of evolved and changed a little as as time kind of went on, but I knew that it was one of my old friends that I really needed to talk for the coding. And when I came here, and I, this is why we've come back to the UK, so I sat down 
me and my husband sat down with my friend, and uh, he looks a little bit like uh, the professor out of Back to the Future. Now, we have it so that this panic device comes in two different formats, and then it comes along with an app for the phone. So, for the people who are still struggling in domestic violence or in a safe house, we have what will be coming out, the patch. And it will be so tiny, it will fit under a ring. Or it will fit behind your ear or inside or in between your chest. Wherever you want to put the patch, so you don't think it will be seen or found, you can put it there. And it's waterproof, up to 30 feet. So you can go swimming, you can take a bath, a shower. And it works off biometrics and trajectory. Now, the ones that you'll see on the Clarified Lifeline website are the ones for the general public. So we're making two devices. One's a patch, and one's the one that you see on the website. Once the patch is made and it's out there in the marketplace, if anybody takes a picture of it and puts it on Instagram or Facebook and says, this is the Clarified Lifeline patch, we will always turn around and say, no, nope, not us at all. We will always turn around and say, no because we don't want it to be seen as ours on social media in case somebody in a domestic violence situation happens to see a patch and puts the two together. It's not going to go too well. But we can find you because it runs off biometrics and trajectory. If anything happens to you, we can find you. So, for instance, you're standing at the top of a flight of stairs and you get punched or you get knocked down the steps. We'll timestamp it. Timestamps in real time. We'll timestamp when you got knocked over. You'll timestamp every step that you hit on the way down and how long you are laid for at the bottom of the All the timestamps and put into a back folder of the clarified lifeline app that you will or and as, as the owner of the app will actually organize. So it's time stamped. The coding on it changes every four nanoseconds so that it is absolutely unhackable. It has been written mathematically. When you look at the normal coding, it's all zeros and ones, etc. This has actually been mathematically written. Um, we're not working off. Uh, cell phones anymore. We used to say, well, it would be really good if you press the button and it connected to your phone like a Bluetooth or, you know, if you just shook your phone, if you could get to the app and check your phone. But we realized if if you're being attacked, like say you went for the wood and the steel device with the, the Triskelion like we have on the website, if you was to have that on you and you're walking home and somebody attacks you, the first thing they're going to go for is your phone and they're going to stamp on it. So if you have a phone with a with an app, A, you have to un you have to swipe it, unlock it, put in your little passcode key, your four digits or whatever it is you've got, or your thumbprint, you've got to put your thumbprint, your facial recognition, and it still takes too much time. And then while you're trying to do the facial recognition and the thumbprint, to get into your phone, it's been snatched out of your hand, and it's been stamped on and smashed. So there goes your call for help. It's not happening for you. Now you're on your own. Whereas with this, 
it doesn't need your phone. And we can find you anywhere, even in the desert. We're hooking up to Channel 7. So if you're on a boat and you're out at sea and you get pushed off the boat, we know that you've been pushed off the boat. We know how long you've been in the water and whether we're looking for you or whether we're looking for your body, which we really hope is not going to be ever the case. You know, if you're in an avalanche or an earthquake, we'll be able to find you. If you're up on a mountain, we'll be there. If you're kidnapped, we've been asked about sex trafficking too. If you're kidnapped and put into a trunk of a car, can we find you? Yes. And it will ping when you go into the, we'll do the call for help as you get put into the trunk of the car. And then when the car stops, it will call for help again. And the services will be there because they'll be waiting for your, for the final ping for your end destination. And then they'll be there for you. So we're really excited about it. We've had it beta tested and it works. Uh, we've put a lot of our own money into it. And now we're doing the first round for stocks and shares. So if people are interested in actually um, investing in the Clarified, they can just contact us. And we have the business plan and the memorandum all ready to set up and go. We're now just collecting the money in to get to go to manufacturing. Wow, Claire, that just sounds incredible. I mean, what what like peace of mind this device is going to offer so many people in so many situations. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, whether you're in a house or you're out walking somewhere, or you're out in a boat or you're out hiking somewhere, driving somewhere, whatever the case may be, this app will, will be able, you know, you know, to track what's going on and timestamp everything and make the appropriate calls to authorities to get you the help that you need. I mean, I think it's just amazing. Um, the device is called Clarified Lifeline. The, the uh, website is called clarifiedlifeline.com. Again, I'll put that in the show notes in the blog post. Um, and I think I'm just, I'm so excited for you and for your husband and everybody who's involved with this device um, and with the app that goes along with it to really just offer so much peace of mind for, for, for really anyone that needs it in any situation to know that they are never alone. And I think that's a great way to wrap this up is, is to, is to end on a note of understanding that, you know, you never are alone and that, and that there are people around who help and care and people like you and your husband who are developing uh, devices and apps like this to really help survivors and those who are in um, uh, abusive situations or really anybody in any situation to know that help is, 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 you know, just right around the corner, so to speak, and available and that, you know, they don't have to feel like they're alone and that nobody cares and that, you know, that there just isn't any help. So I think it's awesome. Again, it's called Clarified Lifeline. If you'd like more information, of course, you can contact uh, Claire on the website there. And um, uh, Claire, thanks so much. This has been an incredible podcast. I'm so glad that you came on the show. And um, I appreciate you spending some time with us today. Thank you for, for having me on the show. I'm so excited. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Um, so yeah, everybody check it out. Again, you can go to clairecapetta.co.uk. You can go to clarifiedlifeline.com. I'll put all of Claire's social media info into um, the uh, show notes so you can follow her and check out everything she has going on with her course and with the Clarified Lifeline device and all the amazing things that she's doing. And also, if you're interested in working with her as your coach, you can definitely check that out as well. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast should not be considered as a substitute for professional medical help or mental health counseling. 
If you've ever considered working with a certified coach, or if you simply have questions about how working with a coach can benefit you, just head on over to beyondyourpast.com for more information and to schedule your free introductory session. We'll work together to figure out what's holding you back so that you can realize your full potential and discover the authentic you. Remember, you are worth it. Achieving your goals and waking up each day knowing that you can handle what's coming and thrive is something that everyone deserves. So take that first step and contact me today and let's do this. Talk to you soon.